every Chomesh is given another name. Besides for the names we know them by, Bereshis, Shmois, Vayikra, they're given another name as well. So for example, Vayikra is also called Teres Koinim. Vayikra is a name given by the first word of that Chumash. Just like Bereshis is the first word of Bereshis. But Teres Koinim defines the Sefer. Sefer Vayikra discusses the responsibilities of the Koinim, the Korbanus they need to bring, the level of purity they need to have, and therefore the title Teres Koinim is an apt description of that Sefer of the Torah. And if that's the case, Let's look what the second name for Chumash Bereshis is and understand why that encapsulates the primary theme of Sefer Bereshis. And the Nach itself gives us the answer. The name of Sefer Bereshis is Sefer Hayoshar. Yashar means fair. Yashar means upright. And Sefer Bereshis is called Sefer Hayashar. There are two reasons for this. The first one is that Sefer Bereshis tells us and teaches us about the lives of the Yavos. The lives of Avram, Yitzchok and Yaakov. The lives of the Yasharim. Those who were found favor were straight, were perfect in Hashem's eyes. And therefore, the lessons we can learn from Sefer Bereshis are the lessons that we can learn from the deeds and the actions of the Avis and the Imos. It's a lesson for us to make ourselves Yeshorim as well. But there's another reason also. And there's another fundamental lesson which we can learn from Sefer Bereshis. Another reason why Bereshis is called Sefer Hayashar. And that is to teach us the principle which David HaMelech declares in Tehillim Lahagid ki Yashar Hashem to teach us that Hashem is Yashar, Hashem is fair. We know that Moshe Rabbeinu asked Hashem, Hashem, show me the way that you run the world. Show me the justice, show me the fairness. And the Gemara elaborates on Moshe's question. We seem to see cases where Rishayim act badly and they're successful. Tzadikim get punished. And Moshe asks to see the justice, the fairness. And Hashem's answer to him 
And the Mephoshim explained that, that we can only see the logic and the fairness of Hashem's decisions in hindsight. When you see the whole picture, when you can look back at a whole sequence of events, then you can see how everything was fair. And therefore, it takes time. When one sees something which has just happened or is in the process of still happening and it doesn't seem to be just, it's too soon to ask the question. It's only when one can look back at the full range of events, at the full extent of a lifetime, then one can see that Hashem is fair. And being as voracious didn't take place over a short amount of time. Sefer Bereshish spans the lives of the Yavos. It's a time period of a few hundred years. So it affords us the distance and the perspective to be able to understand and see Ki Yashar Hashem. Hashem is fair. Hashem is fair and that nobody can complain, so to speak, that they lost out because of someone else's wickedness, because of someone else's being a Russia. It doesn't mean only in Olam Abba. The Hashem settles accounts, so to speak, after a person dies. If we look, we will see example after example that Hashem settles accounts even here in Olam Azeh. And with that introduction, let's look at the beginning of our parasha, parasha Svayetzeh. Yaakov leaves home. Yaakov flees home. He runs to Haran for safety. His mother Rivka tells him, your brother Esav is attempting to kill you. And as a result, Yaakov has to run for his life. And the unfairness of the situation cries out to us. Because Esav wants to be a murderer, Yaakov should lose out. Because Esav is threatening to kill him, Yaakov is forced to go into exile and to lose those many years that he could have gained from being under Yitzchak's tutelage. Because Esav wants to kill, Yaakov leaves home and Esav remains to be able to fulfill the myths of Kibbutav. And Yaakov is left deprived. And one could look at this point of the story and question the fairness. Why should Yaakov lose out? Because Esav is the Russia. And the answer, let's look at the bigger picture, Rabbi Isai. Let's look from the hindsight that the view of history gives us. We know that when Yaakov left home, he was 63 years old. 
He spent 14 years in the yeshiva of Shem Ve'ever, where he sat and learnt, which wasn't part of the cheshbon, it wasn't part of the calculation of the time he was away from Yitzchak. And therefore, 14 years later, Yaakov arrives at, in Haran at the age of 77. He works seven years for Leah, another seven years for Rachel, another six years he watches Lavan's sheep, and it takes him a year and a half, just under two years, on the journey back home again. Yaakov is away from Yitzchak for 22 years. And therefore, if you work out the mathematics of the Cheshman, when Yaakov arrived in Haran, he was 77, which means when he arrives back in Hebron and is reunited with Yitzchak Avinu, Yaakov was 99. Now what happens when Yaakov comes back? The Pasuk tells us in Parshas Vayishlach that Esav, who had been at home all those years, when Yaakov arrives back, Vayelech el Eretz mipnei Yaakov Ochiv. Esav leaves. Esav goes to Seir. He can't stay in the same place as Yaakov. And therefore when Yaakov comes back, Esav is forced to leave. And now let us understand the precision of Hashem's plan. When Yaakov arrives back, as we saw, he was 99. How old was Yitzchak? How old was Yitzchak? The pastor tells us that Yitzchak was 60 years old when Yaakov and when Esau were born. And therefore, when Yaakov arrives back home again, Yitzchak is 159. Or if it was 21 and a half years, so he's just before 129. 159. Yitzchak lives to the age of 180. From when Yaakov arrives home, how much time does he have to spend with Yitzchak without Esau being there? When Esau is forced to leave, the same 22 years. The same 22 years. Yaakov lost out 22 years because of Esau. But when we look at the end of the story, we see Hashem repays those 22 years. That Yaakov is at home and Esau is forced to leave. Another example. Yosef, as he dreamed, was meant to be the leader of the brothers. He was meant to be accepted by his brothers and by his father. As you saw in the dream, the sun, the moon, the stars were all meant to bow down to him. But nobody accepted Yosef. His brothers made fun of him. They hated him. For how many years? We know that when Yosef was sold, he was 17 years old. For 17 years, Yosef didn't get the honor of his brothers, of his father, which he was shown in the dream that he deserved. Not only that, he was sent down to Egypt. He landed up in jail. 
And Yosef could have had the complaint. He understood his dream to be a form of prophecy. I was meant to be the king. I was meant to be accepted by my father and my brothers as the leader. And for the entire time I was with them, I was ridiculed. I was hated. And Yosef could have had that complaint. Why should I lose out because of my brother's mistake? Why should I not fulfill my destiny? Because my brothers refuse to accept me. But if we look at the full story, we see again Kiyosha Rasha. There were 17 years that Yosef wasn't accepted as a king when he was at home with his brothers and his father. But there were 17 years that Yaakov Avinu and the brothers came down to Mitzrayim until Yaakov's death where they did accept Yosef as a king. Hashem repays exactly the same 17 years. And if we're looking to learn the lesson, let's learn it from another case as well. Again in this week's parasha. We talk about Rachel's tremendous mysterious nefesh. Rachel's tremendous sacrifice for her sister that she's prepared to give her the chance to marry Yaakov. And it's an unbelievable schos. It's an undying merit that Rachel has. Until this day, like we know from Chazal. But for people on such a great level, for people who perfection is what's required from them, there could have been a minuscule objection leveled against Lerachel. Yaakov comes to Haran. And he tells Lavan, and he tells Rachel, I'm working seven years to marry Rachel. And only at the end of the seven years, on the day of the wedding, is when Rachel feels the pain of her sister. And she gives her the opportunity to marry Yaakov instead. It's a tremendous act. We're not minimizing the greatness of Rachel for a second. But think of the seven years that Leah was left crying about her fate that she wasn't going to marry Yaakov. For seven years Leah was in pain. Until, until the salvation came. The Pasuk tells us, Leah spent the years crying that I'm not going to have the schus to be married to a tzaddik. And what happens? In the end, Leah marries Yaakov, and then Rachel marries Yaakov, and Leah is blessed with children right away. And Rachel has to wait. And Rachel suffers the pain of not having children while her sister has. And she comes to Yaakov and she cries to him, Hovali Bonim, because I feel him Ain Meso Anachi. It's like I was dead. For how many years was Rachel childless? How long did she, did she have to wait until Yosef was born? And we see in the Pasha. 
seven years. Seven years. Yes? In the end of the day, Yaakov was meant to marry both Rachel and Leah. And at the end of the day, both Rachel and Leah were going to have children. But Leah endured seven years of pain until she found out she was going to marry Yaakov. And so too Rachel had the pain of being childless for seven years until Yosef was born. And one final example. Not final because it's the last case that we can learn this from the Torah. But it's the last case we have time to bring. Let's go back everybody. And look at a story which took place a number of parish years ago. And let's look at the story of when after Yitzhak is born and Sarah sees Yishmael acting in a way which is either dangerous to Yitzhak or might affect him spiritually. And she says to Abraham Avinu, you have to protect Yitzhak. And the result, chase out Yishmael. Yishmael is dangerous, Yishmael is a bad influence. Chase Yishmael out of your house. It's difficult for Avram Avinu to do that, but he does. He wakes up in the morning, and he takes Yishmael and her mother Hagar, and he sends them away. And if you look at that story from the outside, we're left with a big question. Understood. Avram Avinu's priority is to protect Yitzchak. We understand that if Yishmael is being a threat, then he has to do whatever it takes, even to chase Yishmael out of the house. But there's another victim in the story. Maybe we never thought about her. So let's think about her now. What did Hagar do wrong? What did Hagar do wrong? Hagar had been part of Avram's household. She had even been married to him. And because of Yishmael's mistakes, she gets chased out of the house. Why did she deserve to be punished? And she could have had a claim to Hashem. It's not fair. I lose the opportunity to be with a tzaddik like Avram Avinu. Why do I deserve that? And let's look here also to see the lesson of Kiyosha Hashem. We know when Yitzchak was born, Abraham Avinu was 100. Sarah was 90. When Yitzchak was weaned and Abraham made the party he made, Yitzchak was 2. The next year, when Yitzchak was 3, which means Abraham was 103, Sarah was 93, that's when he sends out that's when he sends out Yishmael. Yishmael was 17 at the time. Sarah lives until the age of 127, which means if she was 93 at the time, Sarah lives for another 34 years. When Sarah was 127, that's when the Akeda takes place. And Avraham Avinu is told about the birth of Rivka. He waits three years until Rivka is old enough to get married. And when Rivka is three, he sends Eliezer to go and bring Rivka back for Yitzchak. 
Avram is now 140. After Yitzhak marries Rivka, so Apostle says, the Midrash explains, that Yitzhak feels he has to find another wife for Avram also. And he goes to bring back Hagar to marry Avram. Avram is now 141. How long does Avram Avinu live? The Torah tells us Avram Avinu lives till the age of 175. How many years was he with Hagar? 34 years. Exactly the same. The same 34 years that Hagar could have felt it was unfair that she was chased out the house when Sarah was still alive. Hashem repays exactly. There were 34 years where Hagar was Avram's wife after Sarah had been lifted. And therefore, what we learn from all these examples, the underlying principle of Sefer Bereshis, Tavra Melech says in Tehillim, he says, I see the wicked flourishing like the grass. Those who do bad sprout. But it's only temporary. Hashem, you're the uppermost. You're in control. Because in the end, it's going to be the tzaddikim who sprouts. Tzaddik katomar yifrach. The tzaddik will be the one to grow and be successful. It's fair. Even in old age, at the end of the lives, Hashem will repay what they seemingly lost out of due to the Rishayim. And the conclusion, to teach us that Hashem is fair. In another time, David HaMelech says that it's accurate. He asks Hashem, Gladden us the same amount of days that you afflicted us. The same amount of time that a person was in Tsar because of the actions of a Russia, Samchenu. Give us that same amount of time to enjoy, to rejoice. Because, and this is the lesson we can see as well, whenever a person feels that he, it's unfair that some other Russia has caused him to lose out, learn the lesson of Barashas. Hashem is fair and no one ever loses that.